The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Benfica Nation, welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and this is episode 88 of Mr. Benfica, and welcome back. I know it has been a little while since I've been on here talking to you here on the PTB Media Network, and wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening from, CastBox, Podbean anywhere. I am back with you after a 15-day absence. That's right, it's been 15 days since I put out my last podcast episode, and I had to make a last-minute decision to take this international break off. My uh, professional life, my work life, has gotten out of hand as it is that time of year again, and uh, the shipping business is picking up, and I am. Spending a lot more time at work at both jobs. Um, also in the call center, it has gotten absolutely crazy. And I was dealing with some serious burnout. Uh, I was very, I was in danger of really some, some, some dangerous burnout, some health risks. And therefore, uh, I had to take a little break and try to get some rest. I am back though. I did separate. I broke away from football for a little bit. Uh, the only football I've really watched in the last couple of weeks was a game here and there plus the three Portuguese national team games but I'm back now and we're talking Benfica tonight we're talking Benfica Ferenc all right and I have to say off the top with a heavy heart that this episode is dedicated to the memory of former Benfica player Vasily Kulkov um, and another former Benfica player uh, Senor Angelo Martins two-time European champion and unfortunately, sad news today. Benfica also lost their kit man, Luis Santos, um, today. And so there are three three legends, three mysticas of Benfica that we lost since I last talked to you. This episode today is dedicated 
to them. And I hope everybody is doing well. I hope everybody is enjoying their football. And I hope everybody is ready for Sunday's match against Riwav. Befica are top of the table. And things are looking up for the Glory Ozu. Now, before we head to the news, I just want to um, also give my two cents on um, the things going on at the club right now. It is uh, the big story, as we know, election day is going to be October the 30th. We will have an open election, as you know. Luis Felipe Vieira running against uh, a slew of candidates, most notably Rui Gomes da Silva and uh, João Lopes Noronha. And uh, as we get close to there, any any developments, obviously, I will have for you both either here on the podcast, on the YouTube channel, or on uh, my Twitter slash Instagram pages for Mr. Befica. That's at Befica Mr. on Twitter and at Mr. Befica on Instagram. All right. On October the 30th, I do expect to go live on one of those platforms. So stay tuned here to find out where I'm going to go live on Election Day and update you on uh, on the happenings at, at the, the election, the presidential election at Sport Lisboa Benfica, and we'll see where the next mandate will go. We do we did get the news since I've last talked to you. Luis Philippe Vieira has announced that this will be his final term if elected, his final four-year mandate. So he will step down at the end of this mandate should he be elected. And I think his grandmaster plan is to step down and, and make way for Rui Costa to take over the presidency. That's what it appears to be to me. Uh, time will tell us. We'll have to wait and see if that's the plan or not. But he's going to have to get through this election. It's going to be close. I think ultimately he's probably going to be reelected, but I think he's going to get a serious challenge. And, um, well, that's if the opposition candidates don't join forces. Rui Gomes da Silva has said that that's not going to happen. He's not dropping out. He spoke to Befica Independent about a week and a half ago and said he is in it for the long haul. He is in it to win it until the end. All right, we're going to take a quick break here uh, to pay a bill. And then on the other side, it'll be the news fo uh, followed by Reconquista. So stay right there. I I should say Reconquista followed by the news. I'm sorry. It's been a while. I'm getting a little bit rusty here. And we'll also be joined on the other side on YouTube. All right. So if you want to listen to this episode, uh, or I should say if you want to watch this episode on YouTube, you can click on the link in the show notes. And the YouTube episode starts on the other side of this break. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. And I will be right back with the news. Carrega, 
Episode 88, Mr. Benfica. It is now time for the news this week. And this week we start off in women's football in one of my favorite departments. It's women's football and Benfica ladies are in the cup final. That's right. The Benfica ladies are in the cup final. They will be playing later this year in the cup final. It's uh, The date is still yet to be announced. So, I apologize for that technical difficulty there. As you know, I am not the world's best YouTuber yet, but a special welcome to everybody watching on YouTube now as we have gone live. That's right, I am live right now on YouTube. And as I was saying, women's football has moved forward. They have progressed to the final of the Portuguese Cup. They have won yesterday 2-1 to over... Fumalico in the semifinals. The game was played on the road. Benfica and Fumalico. And it took a 92nd minute goal from Chloe Lacasse to turn around the result and to get Benfica into the finals. She scored on an assist from Ana Vitoria. Benfica were really up against it, though, in this match. Uh, Fumalico gave, gave us all we could handle in this match. Newly promoted Fumalico. Uh, coached, of course, by our former manager, João Marques, and he had his team ready to go. Uh, he had his team prepared. You could tell he knew that uh, you could tell he knew the Benfica team very well. He exploited weaknesses. And I've said before, I said in a previous episode, this this year's Benfica women's team is not the same powerhouse that we've seen in the past two and or past season and a half. Last season was cut short, unfortunately. Uh, so a lot a lot of the firepower is gone. It's not the same level Benfica. I'm very concerned going into the champions league with this team. However, uh, we do have our way made into the final. Okay. Of this Portuguese cup, the other semifinal will be played next month between Istoril and again, Sporting Braga. Uh, like I said, the goal, the game was won in the 92nd minute. Chloe Lacasse, the Canadian scores on an assist from Anna. Vitoria, and she sends the Agas, Aguias through. Um, later this week, of course, on Saturday, the Aguias will return to Liga BPI play. They're traveling to Madeira to take on Maritimo this week. 
And um, after that, the women will go into an international break where there won't be any games for a couple weeks. And speaking of international breaks in women's football, announced this week, Benfica's four ladies have been selected to represent Portugal in the next international break in Euro 2021 qualifying matches against both against Cyprus. So it will be Carol Costa, Andrea Faria, Matilde, and Silvia Javelu that have been selected to represent Portugal in that double round or that home and home with Cyprus, um, which will be played with the first game being played on the road in Cyprus on the 23rd of October. And then the two teams will travel to Portugal for the, for the reverse fixture on the 27th. Good luck to Portugal and congratulations to, to the Benfica ladies. And now a shout out for everybody watching. You can see this, this scarf behind me. I do want to give a shout out before I go any further. That scarf is for American Third Division Club, Anissa is the name of the league. That is Detroit City FC, the national champions of the third division here in the United States. The Anissa champions, Detroit City. Last Friday night, victorious um, victorious over Oakland in the final. They are the national champions. They are one of the best supported clubs in the United States of America. If you don't know, if you're not from the United States, you probably never heard of them because they play at such a low level. And, of course, American football with or American soccer in this case with the ridiculous um, pyramid system we play with here, there is no promotion. So Detroit City FC cannot be promoted to the next level, but they have phenomenal support. They have a hardcore fan base, and this championship is well-deserved. Now, moving on from there, we move to men's basketball, and they opened the season last weekend with a 92-66 win on the road at Cabo Madeira on the island. This Saturday, the Eagles will host Immortal at the Pavilion Fidelidad. Men's volleyball comes from behind, down two sets to love, to win three sets to two in the Super Cup last week in Obilus. That's right. Befica beats Sporting in men's volleyball to win another trophy. It's been a complete hegemony of uh, Befica trophies in men's volleyball, and they add another one to the trophy case, winning the Super Cup. and. This coming Saturday, the two squads will face off once again at the Pavilion Joel Hasha as uh, Benfica will take on Sporting. They'll travel to Sporting, if you will. And we will move on from there to speaking of Benfica Sporting. Last Saturday, the Eagles and Lions played to a 1-1 tie on the quad court on the court. On quad skates, I should say, rink hockey action. Benfica's goal was scored by the Argentine skater, Lucas Ordonez. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw it in my Instagram story as uh, he drew the game uh, level and brought Benfica even. And uh, the game would finish one-to-one as both teams now sit at 2-0-1 in third and fourth place, respectively, in the, the rink hockey league. And, of course, I've been, I said this, I believe, in the last episode. In this season, starting this season, rink hockey's champion will not be decided in the regular season. It's not a regular home-and-home the way we have in football. There will be an eight-team playoff, a best-of-three series in the first round, and then best-of-five in the semis and the finals. Men's rink hockey this year 
experimenting with playoffs to crown a champion. So this result is not as important as it would have been, but no doubt a good a good matchup. And it was good to skate against, you know, a team of the same caliber. Men's handball was victorious 34-25 over Avanka last weekend. And they stay unbeaten in the league. And this week they will host Pavwa at home. Men's football B will return to action this weekend. Saturday, they are away to Aroca. And unrelated to, this is some unrelated news, not Benfica related, but Portuguese sports related. And I want to give a shout out to Portuguese cyclist João Almeida as he continues to lead the general classification at the Giro d'Italia wearing the pink jersey, which is the jersey for the leader, the overall leader in in this tour in the Giro d'Italia. It is the, the, the tour of Italy. And the Caldas de Reina, that's right, Caldas de Reina, shout out, hometown <laughs> native, has a 34-second lead in the general classification after 12 stages as the Giro now approaches the Italian Alps in northern Italy. So we have now our round three results in the Liga Nage. We return to football, the main topic of the show. And starting with Friday, October the 2nd, Morirense won, Boa Vista won, Vitória Guimarães won, Passos Ferreira nil. Saturday, October 3rd, we had Santa Clara nil, Gil Vicente nil, Futebol Clube do Porto 2. Maritimo does o bailinho da Madeira all over the Estadio do Dragão. Three for Maritimo. Porto have lost. Maritimo take all three points from the Estadio do Ladrão. Later that day, Tondela at home, nil. Visiting Braga, four. Carlos Carvalho's side finally breaks open and gets some goals as they pick up their first victory of the season. And then on Sunday... On the island of Madeira, Nacional nil, Bulanistad nil. The match we're going to talk about here tonight: Benfica three, Farense two, Famalicão one, Riuav one, and Portimonense nil. Sporting two. That, ladies and gentlemen, is it for the news for this week. And I'm going to put those notes down because now we are going to head in to. The match, we're going to start talking about it. It's Benfica in Farense, round three, Liga Nage, starting in just one second. If you're listening on the podcast, you're going to get a quick break here and a quick message from BetterThan.Vegas. All right, one of our uh, loyal sponsors on this program, BetterThan.Vegas. Okay, so stay right there for that ad. If you're watching on YouTube, just sit tight for about 15 or so seconds, and we'll be right back with... The lineups. This episode of Mr. Benfica on the PTB Media Network is brought to you by Better Than Dot Vegas. That's right, Better Than Dot Vegas. It's better than Vegas. Get better. And welcome back to Mr. Benfica. It is round three, Liga Nage. And what I have in front of me here, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see courtesy of ESPN.com the lineups for this match. And I have them in front of me as well as we have here. Benfica taking on the visiting Ferenc, newly promoted Ferenc, who gave a very good account of themselves, no doubt, in this match. 
And we'll start with the lineups first for the visitors uh, from the Algarve. They are managed by Sergio Vieira. In goal, the veteran Rafael Defendi. Four across the back for Farense. It's Alex Pinto on the right. Cesar on the right center. Left center is Casio. And the left back is Fabio Nunes. Three in midfield for Farense. It is Fabricio Isidoro, Claudio Falcão, and Amine Odori Idrisi. Three in the attack. Down the right, it is the former Messi of Alcushit, as they called him. It is Ryan Gould. And uh, in the middle, you got Nikola Stojikovic. Sorry, Nikola Stojikovic. And down the left, you have Jonathan Luca, his real name showing here um, on ESPN, but he is known as Jonathan Luca. For Benfica, a couple of, of changes, you could say. Actually, it is, it is actually the, the lineup we have been seeing as of late. And we see Vlakodimos in goal. Odie is in goal once again. Andre Almeida once again the right back, and um, that's disappointing. The transfer market has come and gone, and he is still, still our right back. We didn't really get to talk about transfer market in the news. I meant to get to that. Um, I guess I'm going to sidetrack for just a moment and let and give my thoughts. As you guys know, we Ruben Diaz has left Otamendi's, and there he is right there. Nicolas Otomendi, our new right central defender, our, our center back. He pairs up with Jardel for this match. The left back is Grimaldo. Getting back to transfers, um, a couple more players have left. Florentino, as you know, has gone on loan to Monaco. Disappointing, I think. I think he is a guy we need in this team. But uh, apparently he has to leave. So, so he needs to play. Understandable, as a number of other players have left. Um, we can talk about that in another episode, I suppose. Uh, Tomas Tavares has gone to Alaves. Um, and David Tavares to Morirens, for example. So, oh, and Carlos Vinicius has gone to Tottenham Hotspur for $3 million loan. Uh, 3 million pound, um, euros, excuse me. So Tottenham has not only paid a fee for the loan, but they also will likely buy him at the end of the season. There is the option there to loan. For there's an option there to buy, excuse me, for 30 million at the end of the season if he meets their expectations. Back in the team, though, is uh, for now Facundo Ferreira, and um, it doesn't look like he's going to factor in George Jesus' plans. Uh, Gonzalo Ramuj has been promoted from the B team. I still plan on doing a B team update uh, episode, and I'll get into Gonzalo Ramuj in that one. Um, but that is pretty much the gist of Benfica's uh, Benfica's transfer market. Also, bringing in a, a young central defender from from uh, Barcelona B. We'll see how that goes. But in this game, Gabriel is back in the hole here on ESPN, and it shows him playing as a, a double pivot. It really wasn't like that. It was Gabriel playing as a, a holding midfielder with PZ playing as an eight or attempting to play as an eight. Rafa's down the right flank. Everton, Subolinha down the left flank and up front, Darwin Nunez and Luca Waldschmidt. So that is the lineup for this match as we're going to go back to the screen here. And we we start off with the kickoff and 
Benfica will kick off first, obviously, and it's it's not a bad not a bad uh, start for Benfica once again. Benfica get off on the right foot as they have uh, under Jorge Jesus. This is this is something we have come to expect. Something we have come to to see in, in the first three matches plus in the preseason matches. Uh, in the third minute already, the first uh, attempt of the game, it went for Florence, although Benfica did start well, but the first attempt of the match went to Cesar Martins. He had a header from the center of the box. It was saved in the top corner by, by Vlachodimos. Um in the in the goal, sorry. And we move forward to the seventh minute. So Darwin Nunez has a right-footed shot from the center of the box. It's saved in the center of the goal, assisted by Jean-Luca Valdschmidt. So Valdschmidt setting up Nunez. This partnership, I really, really like this partnership. I really like the way they play together, okay? And what I like about this is little by little, Georges Jesus is turning this team back in, not back, but he's turning this team little by little into something that really looks like his Flamengo team from last year. He's missing some pieces still, but um, there is clear, clear similarities between Valdschmidt and Darwin. Um, that partnership looks so much like Bruno Henrique and and Gabi Gold from last season in Brazil. Um, no true, uh, you know, box presence number nine. They're both mobile forwards. They move for each other. One one gets in behind. The other checks, too. They work together well. I'm really, really excited to see how this partnership will, will, will grow as they continue to get to know each other better. Um, we move ahead, and it doesn't take long for Benfica. Uh, in the 13th minute, we have a an attempt missed as Pizzi has a right-footed shot from outside the box. When he gets on the end of a pass from Everton, he's close, but he's just wide to the right. But one minute later, those of you on the podcast, have a listen. Those of you watching on YouTube, sit still for just about five to ten seconds, and you will. we will talk about it, okay? Here is Peasy, and here there's a couple. There's a couple important players in this play, so check this out if you're listening on the podcast on YouTube. Just sit tight for a second. Marca Pizzi aos 15 minutos, ao 6 do remate, o segundo na conta pessoal de Pizzi. A bola só parou lá dentro, aí está o primeiro do Benfica. É aí com uma, uma dedicatória especial de Pizzi para Rafa, porque foi Rafa quem recuperou esta bola, acelerou, assistiu Pizzi que depois rematou a contar, está feito o primeiro gol no Estádio da Luz. And so it is Peasy getting his name on the score sheet in the 14th minute. He gets an assist from Rafa, and this was a nice goal. This is a play that I've decided 
a special treat, if you will. For those of you watching on YouTube, I'm going to break this down. I'm pulling out the old whiteboard here. Hopefully you can see it as I'm going to grab my pen here and show you exactly what happened because unfortunately, I can't show you the video on YouTube. But as you can see here, I have my board and the ball starts here with Casio. Okay. Casio is looking to get the ball to the, to Fabio Nunes right there. Okay. I have Fabio Nunes highlighted and, uh, or circled, I should say. So he's looking to put the ball here. Benfica pressing high. This is what I like from Benfica. I like this press. However, I am concerned about one thing here and I will put the, the board closer. Okay. So you have defensively the way Benfica lined up for the shape of this play. It worked out but it could have very easily been dangerous. You see the back here, the back line here, Andre Almeida. So the green, the green X's represent, represent Ferenc players, the black ones, Benfica. I put the Benfica player numbers here. There's Andre Almeida, Otamendi, Jardel. Here is our holding midfielder, Gabriel playing left back. He's covering because Grimaldo is here right next to to Everton, Sibolina. I know it's hard to see there on the screen, but you got number three here. That's Grimaldo. That's Everton. Okay. And they are both, you know, covering the same player here. Because Gabriel is back here, okay, there is a huge gap, in my opinion, right here. I'm going to draw a quick line like that and like that, okay? So you can see in here is a huge gap, and if Ferenc had the quality players of our, actually, this Ryan Gold right here. If he drops into this space, okay, he's got time to turn, and he's got time to play a ball in and send his teammate in on goal. Fortunately, though, Benfica are pressing, and and Rafa has his, you know, he's, Rafa is paying close attention, so Cassio wants to play the ball here. Okay, he's looking for Fabio Nunes. Rafa reads it. Rafa meets the ball here. He steals it right there. Okay. Rafa then comes around and starts going in towards goal. He does a very good job to start dribbling at goal and not taking it down the line. Okay. So what happens is he sucks Cassio over. Cassio is going to come over here to try to take away the shot. All right. And here's the confrontation. Now, Luca Waldschmidt here. This is the, the key part of the goal. Okay. Because you've got. Rafa's going to go that way. PZ's going to make his run straight into the box. Okay. PZ's going that way. Um, Darwin is going to go like the Darwin is going to stay here. He could go to goal. He's not going to. Okay. Darwin is going to keep his man marker. Who's right here. This guy's going to try to get goal side on Darwin. Darwin is going to keep him here and keep him out of the middle. Okay. This is, this is a good play from the, from the, these players here. As Rafa's coming in from here, Luca Waldschmidt decides to make his run this way. Luca Waldschmidt overlaps, comes over here, okay? When Cassio, who I'm going to draw as an X right here, Cassio is here. He's got to make a decision. Is he going to step to Rafa or is he going to go and pick up Waldschmidt, okay? Um, Cassio is waiting for help from his partner. He needs his partner in here to take the middle so that he can go get Waldschmidt. Help is, is very late arriving because he's worried about Darwin. Okay, so when the ball gets here, 
Rafa's got two options. So let's draw the ball right here. Rafa has two options. He can play in Waldschmidt. He can play central, waiting for PZ to arrive. And PZ's going to arrive shortly. Or if PZ gets picked up by this other defender here, if this defender comes in here and is the help that Casio is waiting for, Rafa can swing it all the way across here for Darwin to run onto. What ends up happening is Casio here freezes. Casio doesn't know what to do. He he literally only turns his head this way. It's enough for him to square up. So what happens is his body shape has has changed. Okay. Casio went from you know his posture being this way, taking away the shot in the past central. And when he sees when he sees Darwin make that run, his head drops and his shoulders go with it, and he becomes square. And now the pass right here is open. Rafa plays it in. PZ is here. Late arriving defender gets a, you know, gets a deflection, but the shot is on goal. And Befica lead one nil overall. Um, a very very good play both by Rafa, um, a finish obviously from PZ, but also. Um, the finish was by PZ, but but un, un, underrated in the play is the run from Luca Valschmidt. So Valschmidt deserves more credit on that play than I think he was getting. And Benfica take the lead in the 14th minute, 1-0. And for everybody watching, this was likely, I mean, I think we were all all assuming that this was going to be another game where we were going to get ahead by a couple of goals. And I'm not going to say cruise, but I thought we would be controlling the match. But Befica would squander some chances throughout the rest of the first half. And then we move forward a little bit more. And we get a yellow card for Fabio Nunes. That yellow card comes in the 33rd minute. In the 34th, it is Nikola Stojikovic with a right-footed shot from the center of the box. Saved by... Odie, Odie Blackodimos, he had a very, very good match in this game. Odie did as um, he was called on quite a bit, probably too much for most people's liking, but he did he did quite well when called upon in this match. And we we move forward now as we go to the 39th minute. It's a foul by Rafa. He fouls Fabio Nunes. And they, the half will play out pretty much that way. And at 45 plus one, the referee blows his whistle for halftime. And Befica will go into the team room ahead, a goal to nil. And for those of you listening to the podcast, I'm going to take a quick break here. And those of you on YouTube, sit tight for just another moment. And we will be right back with the second half here on Mr. Befica. Remember, I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. We'll be right back with the second half here on the PTB Media Network.
And welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode 88, Benfica versus Ferenc. And uh, we go to the second half and right off the bat, 47th minute. It is Fabricio Isidru with a right-footed shot from outside the box, but it's just a bit too high. He was set up by Ryan Gold. Ryan Gold, you'll remember, like I said, is the Messi of shit back in the day. He was the one Sporting was touting as the next Messi, the Scottish Messi. They paid uh, quite a bit of money to bring him in from, I believe it was from Dundee United or from Dundee. Um, back back in the day, they brought him in. Um, and they really thought they had the next Lionel Messi. Well, he is now a player on Ferenc. He was last season's player of the year in the second league, however. And moving forward, we move to the 48th minute. And this is the first moment of of uh real controversy in my opinion okay i i see this as a controversial thing i see how do i uh, okay so Ferenc are attacking okay nikola stojikovic is is coming in on the air nico Otamendi gets his foot in okay for me for me, he gets the ball, okay? That, to me, is not a penalty kick, okay? I have said time and time again, or I've said this time and time again, that in this age of VAR, if there is contact, it's a foul, okay? So on that principle, yes, this, I can live with this penalty being called, but I don't necess- I don't agree with the call, but I can live with it, okay? I can live with this penalty being called. Because, yes, there was contact, okay? I live with that. But what the referee doesn't call it at first, okay? The referee does not call it at first. He plays on. Finally, the ball goes out of play, and the referee will go to the VAR to watch it. And as I watched it, I didn't agree, but I knew he was going to call it, okay? I remember when there was a time, okay? There was a time where if you got the ball first, you could get whatever you wanted, Anything else was fair game. I know the rules are, are are interpreted differently now, but I don't think there was excessive force. Like, for example, it is a penalty even if you get the ball but use excessive force. That's a rule that is actually on the books. This, to me, was not excessive force. I disagree with the call. Uh, the referee, however, comes back from the, from the VAR, does the box, and points to the spot. Perez have a penalty kick. It is Ryan Gold who steps up. In the meantime, Gabriel was whistled for a a foul on the continuation before the goal was before the excuse me the play was checked by VAR. So Gabriel gets a yellow card for a play that basically should have been, if the rules were were right, should have been invalidated because if you're bringing play back and calling a penalty, how can you give? a yellow card for play that happened. You know, had the referee gotten it right the first time, the play wouldn't have happened and Gabriel wouldn't have been booked. But again, this is, bar is new and this is Portugal and we know these referees and how they are. So Nico Otamendi goes into the referee's book as well. I think a bit harsh, but Ryan Gold steps up and he tries to capitalize with the left-footed shot, but it is saved in the bottom corner by Odimo, he saves it. And um, however, 
The referee whistles. He calls everything back. And it looks like there is going to be a recap. Now. Now. It just gets more confusing. Because if there was an impediment. The impediment was against Ferenc. It shouldn't be a re-kick. The penalty kick was saved. However, it looks like Odie was called also. As a, uh, if you listen to, if you listen to Elder Kundut on BTV, he stated that Odie was behind the line, and you do have to have at least one foot on the line. That is the rule. And if apparently he had both feet behind the line, I don't know. I never got a really accurate answer as to why this was called back. Um, but Ryan Gold takes it again. And again, Odie guesses correctly. Odie makes two penalty saves, essentially. He saves the same penalty kick twice. And you're thinking at that time, you know, we're good. We're good. We survived the scare. The team's going to wake up now, and we're going to take control of this game, and we're going to go forward. Unfortunately, though, on the ensuing corner, ball is delivered by Ryan Gold, who just missed the same penalty kick twice. His in-swinging left footer finds the head of Jonathan Luca, and just like that, it is 1-1. Jonathan Luca beats both Jardel and Otamendi here and heads it into the goal, 1-1, and Odie loses his mind, and rightfully so. He just saved a penalty kick twice. He saved the kick. He saved the re-kick, and these guys can't mark up. Now, this is the first... This is the first set-piece goal we have surrendered since George Zouj has taken over, okay? This is something we surrendered once a game last year. So I am going to keep that in mind, but um, definitely not definitely not a good defensive play. As um, I think Otamendi at this point, okay, he was in a lot of pressure. Imagine this, and this is going to sound to some like – like I'm making excuses for Otamendi, okay? I, for one, like this this signing. I think this was as good as you're going to get on the market right now. I've said before that I thought Fabio uh, Cardozo from Santa Clara would be perfect for our back line. They didn't go get him. They did go get Otamendi. Part of it was financial fair play related. Chelsea needed, excuse me, Manchester City needed to offload him um, to balance out the books and um, to make everything, you know, cross the T's, dot the I's on the transaction with for Ruben Dias. But at the end of the day, um, okay, he had a phenomenal first half. This is, you know, you listen to all of the shows and you read the blogs and you listen to the commentaries, read the commentaries, whatever. Uh, Otamendi had a very good first half. Many say he may have been the best player on the pitch in the first half. Otamendi had a dreadful second half. Does that mean that I think that Otamendi is is somehow here to sabotage Benfica? No, I don't believe that. I said last week he's a professional. He's here to do a job. I don't care what club he supports. Okay, I think he's going to do a phenomenal job. Um, I think he's going to win over Benfica in time. All right, he had a very tough. I think that penalty kick really messed with his psyche. Not to mention he has not played in months. Okay, he's not match fit, not for 90 minutes. But we needed him to step in right away because 
Jan Vertonghen, Super Jan, is injured. Uh, I should have mentioned that at the onset when uh, we talked about the lineups, but Super Jan is injured, and um, Otamendi has to step in right away. Jardel partners up with him. Was it a mistake to start Jardel instead of Fehu? Maybe, but I get George Zuzia's reasoning. It was 100% um, where my line of thinking would have been also. Um, Fehu is still learning JJ's system. He's still learning what JJ wants out of his center backs. And Fehu is still battling his own confidence uh, woes, his own demons, if you will, in terms of confidence. And... Uh, Jardel knows exactly what, what's expected of him. Jardel knows JJ, and he knows what he wants. I think it was the right decision. Hindsight being 2020, obviously. Jardel would get injured on this penalty, on the play that ensued in the penalty because what happened was when the foul was not called, again, another error, okay? If, the, if that's going to be a penalty, the foul should have been called. When the foul was not called, the ensuing shot hit, hit Jardel right off the head. He was likely concussed. He ends up coming out of the match just a little bit later with dizziness and with other issues that are usually related to concussions. And it's a little bit scary and makes you wonder how many more times we're going to see Jardel on the pitch. But um, back to Otamendi, I think he had a real good first half. He was confident. I think his body started to get tired. I think when the penalty was called against him, his mind, his, his psyche was affected. And I think what Otamendi learned in that moment that that penalty was called, he learned the difference between what's a penalty at Porto or against Porto and what's a penalty against Benfica. There is no doubt. You see the surprise on his face. And just about all of us agree that if he's wearing blue and white prison stripes and that's the Stadio do Dragão, no referees calling that a penalty. Whether it's the right call or not, that's not what I'm arguing. I'm saying if he's playing for Porto, that is not a penalty. Referee calls it a penalty. I think that messed with him after that. Also, I think his legs start to get tired um, and the mind follows. He's an experienced central back, but it has been a long time for him since he's played. And um, and I think this this just starts to pile up on him. Fortunately, he's a experienced veteran. He's going to rebound just fine. Played twice for Argentina this week in international duty. I think we're going to see much more uh, of the Otamendi we saw in the first half than what we're going to, than what we saw in the second half. 54th minute, George Zuz goes to the bench. He replaces Rafa with Pedrinho. I think this was a good substitution. They're different players. It changes up the look a little bit, changes up the style. Uh, Ferenc had Benfica figured out at this point, but Ferenc were defending well. They were lying with their blocks low. They were cutting off the passing lanes. Rafa was not getting the ball in the spaces in, which would enable him to run at defenders anymore. Uh, Pedrinho brings it more more agility or a more uh, slalom-styled technical game, not so much the, the straight-out speed that Rafa has. But listen, I have to say this, okay, about Rafa Silva. I've said it before. I say it again. Whether he plays phenomenal or he plays terrible. Nine times out of ten, Rafa Silva comes on, gets something accomplished in the match. He could have the, he could be the worst player on the park. He gets a goal or an assist. It does not matter. This is the kind of players that need to be in the lineup all the time. 
And this, for me, is going to make it very tough for Pedrinho to break the starting 11. Um, if Rafa stays healthy and he keeps picking up a goal or an assist, in this game it happened to be an assist. It was a goal in the previous match. Um, he gets things done. It may not be pretty. It may not be be artistic. It's more workmanlike, yes. It's ugly sometimes, unattractive, boring even. But he gets it done. These are the kind of players we need. Same goes for PZ. Everybody's talking about how our midfield dropped a level with PZ instead of Tarapt. And here we go again. I'm going to upset a lot of you. I know how you feel about Adele Tarapt. And don't get the wrong impression. I have a place for Tarapt in this team too. It's not to play 90 minutes. But I, I there is a good role for him. However. Adele Tarapt, for all the nice touches and the, the wonderful vision he has. He sees everything, right? Adele Tarapt, one goal, one assist. It doesn't matter how well you play if you're not getting production. Now, you can argue that perhaps his play leads to other players getting goals and assists. Perhaps that's the case. I know with Gabriel two seasons ago, when I started this, when I started this show, I mentioned every week that right before the assist, the pass was made by Gabriel. I don't see that from Adele Tarapt. It happens sometimes, but it's not happening all the time. And in that position, one, he doesn't have the lungs to go up and down. Okay? Two, he leaves his midfield partner out in no man's land. If Adele Tarapt is playing in this match against this Farence in the way that they countered, there is a, a highway down the center channel because he's never where he needs to be defensively. PZ can play bad, and he doesn't play anything special. I admit he wasn't special. He doesn't get back well. PZ gets on the score sheet. PZ and Rafa, for all the crap they've taken for last season, and deservedly so for the most part, I think more so PZ than Rafa. Um, and worst, I think most, the biggest problem last season was Andre Almeida, in my opinion. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe I'm just using my personal opinion and I'm biased. But PZ and Rafa are players that when they play bad, when they play poorly, and they seem to do nothing right, they get on the score sheet. I don't want to hear it's only against the weak teams, okay? They get on the score sheet. Adel Tarapt gets on the score sheet twice a season, whether it's a goal or an assist. Listen, Adel Tarapt is a good player. He's a skilled player. He doesn't have the lungs to go 90 minutes. Adel Tarapt would have been perfect if he were healthy to come into this match at the exact time Pedrinho came into the match. Okay, when the other team is figuring us out, when the other team is starting to take away our lanes, that's where a player of Tarap's ability suits in. He can come in, he can get between the lines, get into the open spaces, and find our attackers. When he starts from the beginning, he does it a little bit, but he slows down. He runs like crazy because he doesn't understand positioning. I don't know why. I don't know why. And it's not his fault either. He's being asked to play as an eight. And 
He's not an eight. And you could say we don't need an eight. He got an opportunity last year as a 10. Again, one goal, one assist. You're going to play in the eight. You're going to play in the 10, a false, you know, attacker. You're going to play as a false nine whatever. You're going to play in that attacking third, and you're going to be the setup guy. You need either goals or assists. But, again, back to Rafa comes off the match. Comes off maybe not a, a particularly inspired performance, but, again, play of the match. He, he, he is the one that picks out that poor pass, or it wasn't poor. It was just short. He reads it. He times it perfectly. He runs at the defender, runs at the right angle to allow his teammates to make the runs off the ball to open the space that opens a channel for PZ to come waltzing right in and put it in the goal. So Rafa Silva leaves the match with, with something to show for it. And Pedrinho comes in, and I said, this is, this is a good substitution. Also, in the same stoppage, Harris Seferovic, the Swiss assassin, returns. He replaces the young German international, Luca Waldschmidt. He replaces his former Eintracht Frankfurt teammate. And Seferovic has been born again, man. Let me tell you, whether he uh, Darwin for Darwin for Seferovic is the player we were looking for last season. It looks like we tried so many ways to get Seferovic playing last season to get Seferovic scoring. Seferovic needs the right type of strike partner, and he's got it now. I think. Valtzman could also be just as good of a of a strike partner. But Darwin sets him up. Darwin Nunez has three assists. I've heard the criticism that he's not scoring for whatever many millions he went for. Again, I don't want to break down economics for you. This is not an investing podcast. This is not a money podcast. You want to learn about that? Go see Rich Dad. Go listen to Robert Kiyosaki. He'll tell you all about that. Okay. But Darwin is a five-year investment. Darwin is going to make his value later in the contract. Right now, he's learning. But you know what? Three assists. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, production again, three matches, three assists. That's pretty good out of a forward, out of a, a young forward. I can live with that. Um, also, in this stoppage is a substitution that I think needed to be made. Uh, Gabriel, not good in this match. Okay, I pointed him out when I brought out the whiteboard. Um, there was a hole in, in the midfield between him and PZ, it just didn't work. It were, I mean, offensively, he does good things. But again, somebody has to be sound defensively. Now, you're playing. So, so Gabriel comes off. Ulian Weigel replaces him, okay? Uh, Ulian Weigel is, you know, a player who last season, as soon as he came into this team, was an undisputed starter. Now, his second straight match, not start, or third straight match, I should say, not starting for Benfica. And I think I know. I have a theory as to why. Okay. This club let Florentino go on loan. 
This club does not have a six, a true six. Gabriel's trying. He can do it in some games. Other games are difficult. It all depends on how much defending he has to do. In this one, the team didn't play so well, so he was called on to defend more. He's called on to cover more. What I would have done, and I'm no place to to critique or to second-guess Georges Zouge, but what I would have done in this match, and I think J.J., when he reviewed this match, when he analyzed it with hindsight again being 2020, I think J.J. probably would agree with this. This was a match for Julian Weigel to start, and here's why. You got a, you got a central defense pairing that has never played together, okay? There may even be a language barrier between them. We don't really know how well Otamendi understands Portuguese. He played at Porto, where Portuguese is an endangered species, okay, especially at the years he was there. Okay, so Jardel, who's already, you know, a marginal choice at central defense, he's an emergency selection due to an injury. Okay, so you have two not in form, not fit, not fully fit central defenders. For all the criticism of Ulian Weigel, that he sits between the two center backs and that he only passes sideways and plays everything safe. Now, with hindsight 2020, of course, in fairness, that's exactly what Benfica needed in this match was for him to sit in front of these two central defenders. We were put under pressure by a team that hadn't scored a goal yet in the in this league this season. But a team that showed a lot of quality for a promoted side. And I think what happened is, um, I think that Ferenc came into the match feeling no pressure at all, feeling completely free to play this match. I think their coach played that up, that they had nothing to lose because they played completely free. And he had a good counterattacking um, set. He was prepared to counter Benfica. I think if Feigl starts this match, I think if he, instead of Gabriel, and it's hard to take Gabriel out of the starting lineup right now. He had played well in previous matches. I think if he just parks in front of the two central defenders, I think Befica hold on to control a little bit better in this match. But again, nobody was expecting this type of effort in this, or maybe effort, but nobody was expecting this type of performance from Florence or this poor of a performance from Befica. But Weigel comes in for Gabriel, so you make three substitutions. Remember, in Portugal, you get five this season. In the 54th minute, still just stepping onto the pitch. It is Pedrinho, left-footed shot from outside the box, but it was blocked. Three minutes later, it's Claudio Falcão for France, right-footed shot from the center of the box. That's blocked. Uh, in the 57th, though, it gets a little bit scary as the ball does go into our goal once again. Fabricio Isidro would would think he scored a goal, but um, Befica players are calling. You know, they're calling for it. Uh, they're they're talking to the referee. Referee goes to the VAR. And on the VAR, the goal is overturned. And the match remains 1-1. Fortunately for Benfica, Benfica very, very fortunate not to be down 2-1 at the at the one-hour mark. Um, 
And just a minute later in the 60th, it's Nikola Stojikovic with the header from the center of the box. Headed, saved with maybe the save of the match from Odie in the 60th minute. Uh, another free kick awarded to France in the 61st. Ryan Gold is taken down by Jardel. And on the ensuing kick, uh, Cesar would be called for a foul against Everton. And Cesar Martin just shown the yellow card. We move forward now in the 66th minute. And Ferenc will go to the substitute bench for the first time. Brian Mancija will come on for Claudio Falco. In the 70th minute, a bad foul from Andre Almeida on Fabio Nunes. And Andre Almeida goes into the referee's book. Two minutes later, though, it is Jardel signaling that he, he can't continue. And George Zouz is forced to use one of his two remaining substitutions. Of course, at this moment, we saw Gonzalo Ramos getting ready to come in, among other players. But George Zouz with no choice but to bring on Ferru in the 73rd minute. Ferru replaces Jardel. And to, to be honest, Ferru does a good job replacing Jardel in this one. He enters this match well. Uh, somewhat reminiscent of when he came into the into the match last season when he debuted. Um, confident. Uh, maybe he felt comfortable playing with Otamendi. I'm not sure. But he was uh he was quite good in the in the short 17 minute uh outing he had in this match, the showing. And in the 78th, finally it happens, and it's it, it is Fehu. The play starts with Fehu. He plays a nice diagonal into space for Grimaldo. And let's ha- let everyone on the podcast have a listen. Of course, I can't play it on YouTube, but on the podcast, have a listen here. As Grimaldo crosses it for Seferovic. So Seferovic, the Swiss assassin on the end of a Grimaldo cross at the far post. A very nice cross from Grimaldo. And Seferovic goes up higher than anyone else, gets meets the ball just right. And he heads it into the near post, beating Rafael Defendi. And Benfica retake the lead 12 minutes from full time as a sigh of relief is breathed throughout Benfica Nation. And um, we'll talk about it a little bit later in a little while when we get to JJ's post-match comments. But Benfica feeling the pressure, no doubt, knowing that Porto had lost the night before. There's no question in my mind that Benfica knew and felt the pressure of having to win this match. 
and George Zouj gives his thoughts on that in a few minutes. So stay tuned, of course. But a huge sigh of relief, a huge alivio, as we say in Portuguese, when Seferovic heads this one in. And it's it's a very, very good goal. And Benfica needed that, absolutely needed that. A sigh of relief as they take the lead in the 78th. In the 80th minute, Ferenc will make another substitution. Patrick comes on. He replaces Stojikovic. And also Ugu Seku comes on, replacing Fabricio Isidoro. 82nd minute, it is Cassio winning a free kick in the defensive half as he's fouled by Pedrinho. And still in the 82nd minute, PZ is fouled in his half um, by, by Patrick. Ball will be knocked around a bit. And Mifika would recover it here in their, in their middle third. And again, for the podcast listeners, here's Helder Kondut with the call on BTV. And it's him again. It's the Swiss assassin once again, Harris Seferovic, doubling his total and doubling Benfica's lead and putting himself atop the goal-scoring race in the league, at least momentarily, as he is set up by none other than Darwin Nunez. Not going unnoticed is the cutting through ball that was played through by Julian Weigel. For everyone who says he only passes sideways, for everyone who says he just sits in front of the defenders, Julian Weigel collects this ball. He intercepts it in the middle third and carries it. Okay, he runs at Ferenc with the ball. He's got a little bit of pace, and as soon as the Ferenc players commit, Weigel threads a cutting pass into space onto the run for Seferovic. Seferovic touches it into open space just to his left for Nunez to run onto. Darwin runs onto it, gives it back to Seferovic, and Seferovic kisses it off the far post into the goal. Three to one as he doubles his lead. He celebrates the goal with Luka Waldschmidt and... Benfica now looks set to take the three points. At this point, I was relieved. I thought we were done. I thought this one would be seen out in a professional manner. As Nunez also picks up his third assist of the season. Like we said, three matches, three assists. Let's talk about Weigel for a second, okay? He he has the key play in this game, in this goal, excuse me. 
He intercepts the pass from Ferenc. He carries it and attacks to the space and then threads the ball into space. Uh, a cutting, cutting pass. Perfect through ball. And here's what I think is going on with Julian Weigel. I truly believe, and I don't have anybody on the inside, okay? I don't know a single staff member. I don't know anybody at Benfica, okay? I'm going to be comp- – I think that's obvious, okay? There are other hosts. There are other commentators. There are other people that do have those contacts, okay? I don't have any of that. But from where I'm sitting and from where I've sat before and what I've seen and from following Flamengo so closely last season under Georges Zouge, I believe, I truly do, Weigel was taken out of the lineup when he was to be reshaped into the player George Zouge is looking for. I believe he's being made into William Aron, okay? And what I think is happening, and with this international break, there's a lot of time to work on it, but I think in training, George Zouge is little by little building and training Ulian Weigel into the player he's looking for at that position. He's using Gabriel in the meantime. Gabriel is not a long-term solution as a holding mid. You can say that we don't need a holding mid in the Portuguese league, that we don't need a holding mid in the Europa League group stage. You're not wrong. But remember, Jorge Zuz was brought in not on a one-year contract that he supposedly wanted. I, I have my doubts that that's true. Uh, most man, nobody asks for a one-year contract. Typically, um, I think he said that as a bargaining chip, perhaps to not be brought in for three or four years right away. But George Zouge was signed to a two-year contract. Okay, this is a two-year project, and yes, Europe is still the objective. The difference between JJ and the other managers is Europe. And no, it's not the Europa League. The Europa League is a stepping stone, is a building block. The Portuguese League this season, while winning it is the the most important objective, it's still a building block for next season. I think JJ, JJ's project, JJ's work will start to show fruits this time next season. Next season in the Champions League. Remember, in Portugal, even the second place team after this season will go directly into the group stage of the Champions League next year. Knowing that, knowing that JJ has the flexibility to build a little bit. He's not always known as a builder, but he's doing building. And I do believe he is shaping Ulian Weigel into the, the number six that he wants. Okay. He is going to bring the aggress, the aggressiveness out of him. I think he is working that. This goal showed a little bit of aggressiveness. He ran at the opposing midfield. He played a sharply hit cutting pass into space for his striker. I think little by little, this we are going to see Julian Weigel grow, and we're going to see him reintroduced into the starting lineup when he is at what JJ is looking for. That's my personal opinion. Maybe it's wishful thinking, but that's my personal opinion. I That's what I'm seeing, at least right now. I can't fathom 
that George Zouj thinks that Gabriel is a is a solution for that position for the next two seasons. They are building the team right now to be in the Champions League next season. I truly believe that. Um, that's why they've invested what they did. They didn't invest this all to win the Portuguese League. They want to win the Portuguese League. But the return on the investment has to be a good Champions League. And because it's it's a safer bet this season, because second place goes directly to the group stage, we don't have the same disaster that happened this season in Champions League qualifying. That's what I really think he's doing. And he's still going to find an eight, maybe in January, maybe next summer, to play in front of Ulian Weigel. But I, he, ha- you have to believe that George Zouj believes that Weigel is that guy. Otherwise, Florentino would be playing there, in my opinion, because he that's a natural spot for him. With with George Zouj's coaching, absolutely. But it looks like it's going to be Weigel. Now, again, a very very good pass, and Benfica go up three to one. They make another. They make their final substitution. Poor Gonzalo Hamush does not come onto the pitch. It's going to be Chiquinho instead. And he replaces Darwin Nunez. And just when you thought it was over, 90th plus two, we do get a substitution for Ferenc. Bura comes on, replaces Casio, a striker for, uh, uh, for a defender. And Pedro will replace Alex Pinto. And in the 90th plus four, it is the error by, by Nico Otamendi. He is dispossessed. Um, by Patrick. Patrick takes the ball off of Otamendi's feet, goes in, and scores a goal, makes it 3-2. to two. Again, for me, this is a foul. My issue here, why it's a goal. Why was this goal not checked with VAR? There is, if, if the referee is so sure he didn't make a mistake on this play, that he didn't need to check it, that he didn't think there was an obvious mistake. Because if you watch the replay, it's an obvious mistake. There's every bit as much contact on Otamendi's leg on this play as there was on the penalty going the other way. But they don't check. Why? Conspiracy theorists will say because they know they'll have to call it back. I don't know. It just seems like these these things happen to Benfica. And what ends up happening is it makes a disaster of a a debut for Nico Otamendi. Worse than it needed to be. You remove three or four situations and he had a very good debut. But everybody's talking about the mistakes. They're talking about the penalty. And they're talking about this goal. Penalty's dubious. This is certainly a foul. This is certainly a foul. There is no way this is not a foul. That's why they didn't check it. It has to be. But it's too little, too late for Ferenc. And Benfica win a 3-2. to two. On the podcast, we're going to hear JJ in the Flash interview postgame. And then I will, I'm not going to summarize and translate it for you this week. I'm just going to get right to the point and something he said that, that, that stuck with me and something I was glad he said. 
So sit tight for just a minute here on YouTube and on the podcast. Have a listen. Podes, uh, o objetivo foi atingido a calçada, não é? Fizemos três gols, sofremos dois gols dentro daquilo que, que não podíamos sofrer. Uma equipe em casa não pode sofrer dois gols com todo o respeito que a gente tem pelo Farense. Uh, hoje não fomos uma equipa tão consistente. Taticamente não fomos uma equipa é muito disciplinada, uh, principalmente quando a equipa não tinha bola. A equipa não conseguiu segurar aqueles três jogadores do meio campo do Farense durante a primeira parte. Uh, como fez que a equipa corresse mais, jogasse menos, tivesse menos bola, mas de qualquer maneira chegou ao intervalo e ganhou a zero. Não é? uh, no balneário falámos, uh, tentei explicar-vos a eles o que é que estava mal. Uh, tivemos aqui um período de desequilíbrio depois do gol. O gol do, do Farense, a equipa perdeu-se ali durante 5 minutos. Depois conseguiu novamente erguer-se, uh, ter um conhecimento daquilo que se estava a passar. As substituições também deram um equilíbrio melhor à equipa. E, e chegámos ao 3 a 1, já com uma equipa a dominar o jogo completamente. Acabámos por sofrer o 3 a 2, fruto de, 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 da jogada do, do, do Otomendi. Aquela jogada é um sinal evidente de cansaço. Uh, portanto, um jogador que uh, já estava com alguma dificuldade, não física, mas também com alguma dificuldade em pensar o jogo rapidamente. E este gol, uh, o 3 a 2, uh, foi um gol. Com esse, com esse sinal. De qualquer forma, uh, a equipa hoje entrou um pouco ansiosa para, para o jogo. Isto é um sinal evidente daquilo que eu penso do que é, do que é esta equipa e o que é que aconteceu, se calhar, o ano passado. Uh, mas tem, tem, que lhes dar, tem que lhes dar não só qualidade técnica ou tática, mas também tem que lhes dar qualidade uh, do que é jogar no clube com pressão, no clube que tens que ganhar sempre e tens que ser sempre uh, igual e tens que ter, e tens que ter uh, uma mentalidade forte porque as exigências também são muito altas uh, para poder chegar ao nível que, que alguns momentos do jogo tivemos, principalmente depois do, do 2 a 1 e do 3 a 1, o, como eu disse o gol 3 a 2 já foi, já foi fruto um pouco de, 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 da situação do do Nico do Otomendi não está fisicamente em condições. Este jogo também deu indicação exatamente porque é que eu quero mais um central. Este jogo ficaram todos a perceber porque é que eu quero mais um central. Eu não, enfim. Uh, espero que, que a gente consiga até uh, fechar o mercado. Então, so the important thing there that JJ said, okay? is that he noticed the team different today. And he says he realized, and he thinks it comes from last year. I think it comes from even further back than last year because we've been seeing this for quite some time, is that the players felt the pressure, and he felt that they felt the pressure, knowing that our biggest rival, at least in terms of for the championship, for me, it's the biggest rival we have. The neighbor is not the biggest rival. That's... That's a different rivalry. The biggest rival is the one up north. Knowing they had dropped all three points the night before, this team froze up with the expectation of having to get the victory. They got the early goal. And um, as things started to unravel, I think, again, psychologically, this team is very weak. I said this last season. This team is very, very weak psychologically, and it shows. 
And now the manager has essentially confirmed that. And I'm glad he did that. Okay. I, I don't like when managers, you know, skirt around these issues. I don't like when they skirt around these issues. I don't like when managers pretend that their players don't know what happened in the other matches in the league. Or even they like to say that they don't know. Okay. I loved Bruno Lige. Nobody that's listened to this podcast, go back and listen to, you know, season one. I loved Bruno Lige. Okay. I still think Bruno Lige is going to be a great manager in time. Um, he, his, it's very tough to have this as your first job. But one thing about Bruno Lige was sometimes he, he denied the obvious. And I understand why he was protecting his players. George Zouj is a no-nonsense, no-BS, honest manager. And he said, yeah, they, they didn't deal with the pressure of knowing they had to win this game, knowing that our arrival had dropped points and now the expectation was higher that we were going to win, playing the last-place team, no less. I like that he man- mentioned that. Okay. He also mentioned the most important is that they got the result. That's correct. Now, what I'm going to do here is I am going to bring up the goal point for you guys. Okay, and we're going to go through the ratings. If you're watching along, you will see it. If you're listening, I will do like I always do and just read them off to you guys as the goal point ratings are loading. Give me just a moment here. Of course, my screen is freezing as it always does. All right. Now I'm bringing them up. And there you see the goal point ratings. We'll start with Ferenc, who actually have a higher average rating than Benfica. So according to the analytics, Ferenc outplayed Benfica. Okay. And let's see here. For instance, you see here with the 2.0 expected goals, as was Benfica. Benfica with an average 5.74, excuse me, for instance, 5.93. Rafael Defendi, 6.2 in goal. Alex Pinto, 6.0. Cesar, 6.0. Casio, 5.5. Fabio Nuge, 4.5. Ryan Gold, 5.6. Fabricio Isidoro. 6.5, Falcão, 5.8, Amine, 5.8, João, João Luca, 8.1, and Stojikovic with a 6.0. Off the bench, Mancila, Mancila, excuse me, 4.7, Patrick, 6.3. Benfica, their highest rated player in the match for Benfica here was. Odie in goal, and that that could be concerning. But you know what? At the same time, this is why we have goalkeepers. This is a guy who seems to never be good enough for everybody. Okay? This is a guy who we always talk about another goalkeeper, another goal. You know what? This guy just keeps working and keeps getting better. And very, very happy with this performance from Odiseish as he is Benfica's top-rated player with a 7.7. Under Almeida with a 5.6. Otamendi with a very, very harsh 3.7, of course. The goal, that was his fault, and the penalty kick will contribute to that. 
Gabriel with a 5.9, Jardel 5.8, Grimaldo 5.2. Everton, not the same Everton in this match. He did not have that explosion in his step. He lost a lot of balls in this one. He had been the man of the match in the first two matches. Uh, not in this one. Not a good, not a good showing for Everton. Uh, perhaps he already was was thinking about his international duty and his long trip to South America to represent Brazil. I don't know, but perhaps Farence was just ready for him. They had two matches worth of film to study up on. Um, not the. Uh, hopefully, we're going to see a better Everton on Sunday this week when we take on Chihuahua. Very dangerous match for Benfica this week. Peasy with a 6.2. Not a bad performance. Again, with a goal, that will that will raise that number, of course. Um, Rafa with a 6.1 and an assist. Waldschmidt, 5.6. Um, again, some of the things he did in this match were off the ball. They were unnoticed, but I noticed it. And you have to watch the game closely sometimes. But he had very important uh, contributions to this match in Darwin with a 6.3. And of course, off the bench, Seferovic 6.7, Pedrinho 5.6, Weigel 5.5, and Ferro 5.7. Let's look now at the. We're going to look at the statistics. Sorry, the screen is so small there. And I'm going to move it down. So we have 12 shots on goal for Benfica to 14 for Ferenc, 7. Uh, sorry, 12 shots total for Benfica, 14 total for Ferenc. On goal, 7 for Benfica, and 9 for Ferenc. Actions inside the opponent's area, 30 for Benfica, 27 for Ferenc. Three corners to Benfica, 2 to Ferenc. 80% uh, pass efficiency for Benfica, 74% for the side from the Algarve. The vertical pass, Benfica with a slight advantage, 60% to 52 um, defensive actions in the opponent's midfield. Um, slight advantage there to Ferenc, 17 to 16. And fouls, Benfica committed 12 fouls to 11 for Ferenc. Benfica, 58%. Possession to 42%. All right, let's get into next uh, week's matches as we're getting now towards the end of this episode. And next week, I have the fixtures here right now. We will have starting Saturday. Okay, now the international break is over. Gil Vicente hosts Tondela. Maritimo hosts Portimonense. Braga hosts Nacional. And the big one Saturday, 3.30 Eastern time here on the eastern coast of the United States. 8.30 p.m. 20.30 in Lisbon. It is Sporting hosting Porto. One of our rivals, or even better if it's both are going to drop points. Interesting to see how this one goes. Um, Sunday, you have Bulanish Sad at the City of Football hosting Moreirense. Pasos Fajeda hosting Santa Clara. This Farins team will host Famalicão. And then the big one for us is Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock here in the United States on the East Coast, 8 p.m. in Portugal, 20, 20 o'clock, 20 hours, however you say it. Um, it is Hiwav hosting Benfica. This is a very, very, very tough match. This is Hiwav who just took AC Milan to 12 rounds of penalty kicks, okay? It should have won that match. They It was until the final kick of the 120 minutes that they did not win that match. They were leading before conceding a penalty kick. Four chances to win in the shootout, by the way. 
But they also have had an extra week to prepare for Befica. Befica has had all these guys away on international duty. Befica historically does very poorly on the back end of international windows. Okay. Or internet. Yeah, international windows. I I hope that the Sporting Port game ends in a tie so that we can afford a tie because this is a very, very tough match. I, I am not going to be overlooking Chihuahua at all. Chihuahua are a good team with good players. Okay. And they're going to be hungry. They're going to be motivated. You know, they're, they're, they're going to be a little bit pissed they're not in the Europa League. And Befica have to be careful not to be looking ahead to their Europa League match later on, thir- on Thursday of next week uh, when they travel to Poznan. So I really think that th- this is going to be a very, very tough match. But if Befica respond on the back end of this bad performance that we just talked about against Perez, if they come back with a good performance on the road in a tough place to play, not the environment, but the pitch at Riuav in Vila do Conde, perhaps it can springboard Benfica through the month of, of October into November and hopefully getting some more good results and opening some space between them and the rivals. Uh, Monday's match is Boavista hosting Vitoria Guimarães. Let's go to the table. And I will actually bring that up for you here on the screen as we will have here the table. And give me one moment just to get it up for you. As Benfica are, as you know, now the atop the table. And I'm going to hit the table right there for you guys in the Liga Notch. And just give me one moment. Again, apologies. This is not, YouTube is not my strong point. As this the this table comes courtesy of fotmob.com. And I'm gonna share the screen. So you're seeing it now. Here is the table. Befica are top of the table with nine points, three victories, ten goals for three against. Second place, Santa Clara, the surprise, Us Bravos Asurianus are in second place. Isn't it nice to see our logo in the top two spots? Uh, Santa Clara have two victories and a draw. Three goals scored in three matches uh, three for a plus three goal difference. Third place right now is the other island side, Maritimu. They have six points from three matches, two victories and a loss. Five goals, four, five against. Sporting right now are fourth with a game in hand. Remember, their first match was postponed due to a COVID outbreak within the team. Sporting have two victories, no draws, no defeats, no goals surrendered, four scored. They got six points. Porto also on six points um, in fifth. They have two two victories and a defeat. Ten goals, four. Four goals against for a plus six, uh, but... Um, because I believe under the rules, because they have played an extra match there behind, perhaps. Either way, these two teams will sort themselves out on Saturday. Sixth place right now, Nacional, five points. Seventh place goes to Family Cone with four points. Also on four points are Bulanis, Sad, Gil Vicente, Moreirense, and Vitoria Guimarães. Vitória Guimarães, of course, with the new manager now as Tiago has stepped down. And Braga all the way down in 12th with only three points. Chihuahua 13th with 
three points as well. Boavista are 14th with two points. Passos de Ferreira are 15th with one point. Portimonense 16th with one point. Tondela 17th. And in last place is Farense with no points. Three matches, three defeats. Okay, that's going to do it for episode 88. Thank you for hanging with me this long. And I will be back hopefully um, so either Sunday or Monday with a review of the, the next round four match against against Hiwav. And I'm also still planning on getting a women's uh, football review show out. As I said, they had a big victory yesterday and also a B-team report to come out in the coming week or so, hopefully. So stay tuned to the channel wherever you uh wherever you watch or listen. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit subscribe and hit the bell next to the subscribe so you're notified whenever Mr. Benfica drops any new content on YouTube. And if you're listening on any of the various podcast platforms, please subscribe. Give us a a good rating uh, so I can get this podcast out to more people. All right. And I hope everyone enjoys their weekend, enjoys their football. And we'll be back later on this week with a review of Riwav Benfica. This is going to do it for episode 88. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho signing off. Cajega Benfica. Forza Benfica. We are Benfica. Et pluribus unum of many one. Dam u 38. Bye, everybody.